0: To achieve system-level performance improvement, hospitals and systems must have capable, committed leadership in both the executive office and the boardroom. It's imperative for the board to have a deep understanding of its role in overseeing an organization's QI and safety initiatives. But during a complex time for healthcare, from transforming payment models to cost challenges, it can be difficult to keep quality a priority. Enter the Institute for Healthcare Improvement's new program, The Board's Role in Governing Quality. This new program from IHI is designed for new board members, trustees looking for a refresher on quality or board quality committee teams looking to recalibrate QI efforts at their organization. Led by expert faculty, the program incorporates the six domains of quality, as defined by the Institute of Medicine, along with population health, an understanding of the financial cost of poor quality, and is taught through the health equity lens with a focus on community health. During the program, you'll learn how to focus on advancing quality governance throughout the whole health system, not just in the hospital, as well as receiving an assessment to understand current capabilities on how to measure improvement and growth over time. The Board's role in governing quality will take place June 20th and 21st. For more information on this great new program and how to enroll, visit IHI.org slash boards. Now here's WIHI.
1: If you think people who work in health care have a hard time keeping up with all the quality initiatives and quality metrics their health system is focused on, imagine being a trustee of that health system and trying to keep up. It's a formidable task, and yet as part of oversight, just like with finances, board members of health systems today do need to fully understand and engage with all the components of healthcare care quality. Today's oversight of health care quality also has to encompass the entire care continuum beyond hospitals and the broadening focus on health and equity. So, new guidance for trustees and leaders on how precisely to navigate this ambitious agenda – couldn't come soon enough. And that's why we're going to, we're so pleased to be here with you for this WIHI and what we're going to tell you about on this edition of WIHI. And I want to welcome you. We're an online audio talk show from the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. We come to you live like today and after the show on IHI.org and on iTunes. I'm your host and producer, Madge Kaplan and I'm also IHI's Director of Communications. This is our first program of the new year, so Happy New Year to everyone. If there's a common refrain among trustees of health systems, it's that oversight of quality is very much a work in progress. So that could suggest that the glass is half full, but experts say most boards aren't that confident. They're on the right track and paying attention to the right things question is, what are those right things and can they be organized in such a way as to offer a beacon for better oversight? I've got three guests who say yes. On the phone from Chicago, we've got Beth Daly ullum She's a nationally recognized governance expert and patient advocate for safety and quality in healthcare. She's president of Quality and Safety First, which works with health system leaders and trustees to improve oversight of quality and safety. Beth spearheaded the work we're sharing with you today. Welcome, Beth. Thank you, Matt. All right, great. Also on the phone, Ruth Mickelson is a senior lecturer at the University of Minnesota School of Public Health and an affiliate faculty member of the Center for Bioethics. Ruth is the current chair of the Board of Directors of Health Partners in Bloomington, Minnesota, and among the experts who contributed to the new governance resources we're going to tell you about today. Welcome, Ruth. Happy to be here. And finally, I'm joined in the studio by Tejal Gandhi. She's IHI's Chief Clinical and Safety Officer and leads IHI's programs on patient and workforce safety. Tejal is also president of the Lucian Leap Institute, a think tank that's now part of IHI. So, welcome, Tejal.
2: Thank you, Madge. All
1: right. So Tejal's going to get us underway, give you a little context, background, mini history, so you know how we got here. So Tejal, it's not a new notion, I'm sure, for people joining us today to be talking about the importance of board engagement to health system quality. But how that linkage should operate for optimal oversight continues to confound probably way too many people. So it just sounds like the perfect thing for IHI, uh to tackle, moth to a flame. We absolutely uh, welcome challenges like this. So what's going on in this space right now? Thanks.
2: Well, to understand where we are today and why we decided to take on this challenge, as you said, um, let's first take a step back. Everyone on this uh, uh, WIHI knows that we in healthcare are on a constant journey to improve the quality and safety of care that we deliver. And as part of that journey, in 2017, in partnership with the American College of Healthcare Executives, the Lucian Leap Institute released Leading a Culture of Safety, a blueprint for success, that was really meant for CEOs and healthcare leaders to help them advance a culture of safety in their organizations, which we all know is a critical foundation to achieving quality and safety. And in this document were six domains that leaders um, need to act on to create and advance that safety culture. And as you can see in this slide, one of those six key areas that we focused on in this report was selecting, educating, and engaging boards in quality and safety oversight. And so, although the blueprint provided some recommendations on how to do this, the Lucian Leap Institute actually decided that this particular domain within the blueprint needed a deeper dive to really ensure effective oversight of not only safety, but all dimensions of healthcare quality. And so why did we think there needed to be a deeper dive? There has been research that shows that hospitals that perform highly on quality metrics have a correlation with board time spent on quality, so more board time, better quality. Despite this, though, we also know from the literature that many hospitals and health systems lack formal quality education and training for board members. For example, a study in 2010 in health fairs found that fewer than half of the 1,000 not-for-profit hospital boards they surveyed viewed quality as one of their top priorities, but less than a third had some formal quality training for their board members. So for those of us who follow this issue, we felt that if we really need to um, uh, engage our boards better, we need to advance our thinking and create best practices on how best to educate boards and optimize their efforts spent on quality. So we embarked on a year-long endeavor, resulting in the Framework for Effective Board Governance of Health System Quality, uh, released in December, which includes a governance of quality assessment tool, as well as a separate report with a summary of research, all of which you can see here can be downloaded from the IHI website. And I just want to mention that this report involved many people, in particular, our lead, Beth Daly ulam who's on the WIHI with us, and Ruth Mickelson, who's also on, as well as the Lucian Leap Institute, the IHI research and development team, and more than 50 governance experts, healthcare leaders, organizations such as AHA, ACHE, the Governance Institute, and state hospital associations, and trustees who provided invaluable insight and guidance throughout the research and development process Um, and and really helped us get to this final report that you see here. I also want to mention that the Lucian Leap Institute uh, work here was funded through an unrestricted grant from Medtronic. So this year-long project included a market scan, expert interviews, literature scan, expert meeting and survey, and finally creation of this white paper with recommendations and the assessment tool, which you'll be hearing more about. So... In getting back to your question of why, why did we take on this challenge, I think this slide really summarizes the current state um, based on much of the research we did with this project. In, when we did our review of current state, we found that governance of quality is really focused primarily on safety and not necessarily on all the dom- domains of quality. Uh, governance can be very hospital-centric. Core processes for governance are very variable. A clear, consistent framework for governance of health care, of health system quality is really needed. And a call to action to raise expectations and improve support for board governance of health system quality is needed. And so I think we really look at this document as that call to action. To say that we need to really advance the way that boards are overseeing quality um, in our complex health system today.
1: Thank you so much, Tejo, for kicking us off and setting that context. And uh, we're going to now turn to Beth Daly Ullum uh, to uh, pick up the trail of this story. Uh, Beth, who would, would, I'm sure, be the first to acknowledge that there are a lot of other organizations out there uh, with resources that are very valuable. So one of the challenges here was trying to see if more of that could be pulled together in a rational way that could provide more sort of uniform uh, guidance. Uh, Beth, uh, you've been at this (laughs) pretty much nonstop for the past year or so. So uh, pick up the tail now. Thank you very much
3: One of the challenges um, is there was really a lot of variation in what those individuals many of you on the, the call today who support boards are being told to do with their board mem- with their board um, quality work and so one of the things that we wanted to talk about was really um, focus on what should those core processes be. Because in the past, there's been a tremendous amount of work done by uh, Jim Reinertsen, uh, Jim Conway, Jamie Orlikoff, Larry Pribble, the AHA and Governance Institute and others, um, and including IHI, that really have, has focused on building this board culture and commitment of prioritizing quality. But even if you prioritize quality, there was a lot of question about, am I doing the right things? So, you know, we we talked about in our expert session this spectrum of what's driving the variation among what boards are doing on quality. And certainly on the left side of the spectrum, we have boards that are not motivated and really not asked to participate in quality or feel uncomfortable because they're not educated in the core concepts. Then across the middle, we have boards that are motivated but not capable. And, and for those boards, the you know, issue is more education and selecting people that have high reliability backgrounds or an interest in quality because of, of their personal interest. And then on the right side where there's been less research and less focus was really focusing on the, the core processes of what should you be doing in the boardroom. And there have been uh, quite a bit of work on, on some core processes on safety, but very little work on the other IOM dimensions. And so boards were doing all different things. And some variation is obviously strategic and and okay, Um, but we we thought it would be really important to push the football further down the field and and try to figure out what should the the core areas of work of board oversight be um, to reduce some of this variation and improve the the competency of, of what boards are doing. So the first thing that that the expert group did was really talk about where we wanted to um, establish a vision. So we kind of used a design thinking process for if we want to get boards to this vision of governance of quality and then let's back into some of the things that they would need to do to be, and and know to be able to competently achieve that vision. So the vision that the expert group working on this uh, developed was that one thing that was essential was for boards to understand the the domains and key concepts underlying quality care. Because if you don't have some of that basic knowledge then it's really hard to understand the terminology and and be able to engage. The second piece was that boards need to understand the process to assess and prioritize and improve care. So what's your system or systems of improvement that you're using, and what are the drivers for that? And then the last piece was that their board culture has a commitment to delivering quality for all patients. And in a way, these are sort of three legs of the stool that that if one of these is missing, if you have a system of improvement, um, say you're using lean or high reliability, but you don't actually, as a board member, understand uh, the quality concepts, whether it be health equity or uh, the concepts of of a serious reportable event, um, if you don't if you, if you have one leg of the stool but not the other, then um, the stool kind of falls apart. So one of the critical elements was making sure that all board members and those who support them uh, agree on this this vision and the components of the vision. So this is the framework that we developed uh, in that of governance of health system quality. So on the far right, you see the vision of effective board governance of quality. This is where we want all boards to get, where they understand those domains of quality, they understand the process of improvement, and they have a culture that's committed. And then if you sort of back up towards the the left-hand side, the core board processes are they know what to do to achieve that vision. And then further left, the core knowledge areas are they know what they need to know to achieve that vision. So the knowledge and the processes. A lot of times, in, in my experience, you have boards that, you know, have been trained and educated and their on-ramping or in education sessions, but they still walk away saying, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. So one of the things that uh, was evidence, evident in the research was this lack of um Of core board processes so we wanted to make that link between knowledge and process to being both critical elements to achieve the vision so the core knowledge areas are your quality knowledge your system improvement knowledge and your culture and commitment to quality and then the core board processes we developed an assessment to help support uh, establishing your baseline for how you're performing on that that on that assessment of, of your core processes. So the next um, slide here is that one of the, the things that our expert group talked about a lot is that boards often become overwhelmed in, in what I'll call the medical ease. And having served on two boards myself, uh, you know this, that hit, this hit home and was often an issue in our, in our boards. Boards will care deeply, but uh, can quickly get lost. So how do we um, translate what the board's supposed to do and know in a way that's more meaningful and motivating to them. And one of the things we took from the pediatric world is um, from, and I want to acknowledge uh, some work that Rich Brilly did over at Nationwide Children's, uh, where they, for their board, they uh, took the steep dimensions and they flipped them through the eyes of the patient. And all of a sudden, this came alive for the boards. Rather than talking about just steep Talking about it in, in the terms of the patient experience was very engaging and motivating to boards. And so this spread throughout the pediatric network very successfully, and it was a best best leading practice that we thought was really relevant to incorporate into this work. So I'll show you how this looks, and one of the things that I think is helpful is, is looking at these core elements of quality through a patient lens. So rather than talking about the steep dimensions, talk about patient expectations in a way that uh, boards as patients themselves often will understand better. So say, keep me safe, help me stay well, help me navigate my care, treat me with respect, and provide me the right care. And it's often helpful, I think, to not have a, a ubiquitous patient, but to say, how does this journey look differently for, for different types of patients that are facing different challenges, whether it be a homeless patient or a um, patient who doesn't speak English or a patient who has private insurance versus public insurance. Um, so, so going through that exercise and, and having the discussion of the different journeys that these patients will face is often a very fruitful exercise for a board. So, you know even if you know the understand these core areas and you understand the quality through a patient lens, what I often find and and this was a common thread uh, in our expert discussions was you know how do you translate understanding what keep me safe means as a board member and as someone who supports them to what the board is supposed to do to oversee that area and there was a you know uh, reference in, in one of our sessions where um, the National Association of Corp- uh, Corporate Directors on the for-profit world gives very specific uh, oversight guidance to for-profit board members or who, who serve on public company boards and and one of the uh, trustees in our session said you know I really wish we had a little bit more specific guidance and it will vary b- uh, somewhat based on the dynamics of your health system um, and the way your board is structured, but there are certain are there certain core things that all boards should be doing in each of those areas of quality. So the, the boards want, said, you know, once I understand these concepts, what do I do? What are these core processes? And certainly many boards will do above and beyond and more, um, but, but there, we, we, we've set forth to establish a baseline of those core processes. And and really a baseline to help evaluate where you might have gaps or opportunities. So coordinated with that, that idea of guidance on core processes, we developed a governance of quality online assessment tool and it goes over the core processes in each of these areas. Uh, It takes about, we've had a whole bunch of people fill it out. takes about 10 minutes to fill out. Um, Some took me eight, but it takes a couple of people, 10. Um, And it's, really just a fabulous um, It's only 30 questions so it's actually much shorter than almost every other assessment out there Um, so six categories with 30 questions and a simple scoring scale that is really not asking as much about effort like does your board prioritize quality but really asking about specific processes like do you review serious reportable events versus do you prioritize quality um, this is also different from most of the other assessments out there because it covers the continuum of care and goes beyond the hospital. Uh, one of our observations was that most of the existing assessments were, were incredibly hospital centric. And I think as we all see healthcare evolve uh, into a much more fluid um, experience for patients that, that extends beyond the walls of a traditional hospital? How do we make sure that our, our quality oversight is looking at healthcare throughout our system and, um, and care in the community, not just care inside the surgical, um, surgical rooms? So this incorporates the concepts of value in all six quality dimensions of STEEP along with population health. Um, it's also different because the structure of this, like I mentioned earlier, reflects the patient voice. It is patient-centric around the patient expectations, and um, and it's built very collaboratively, and this would never have come to fruition if we didn't have so many uh, great organizations, from the state hospital associations to the AHA, Governance Institute, ACHE, um, and others, all contributing uh, to to really thinking about how do we move from, Uh, effort to definition of these core processes so here's a snapshot of just one category the category of prioritize quality where we're looking at board culture and quality commitment and it's for seven questions Um, you score a zero one or two on each of those questions and it it adds in your score I'll just pick one element um, that for for this that would be kind of specific. So if we look at uh, number four, the board reviews your annual annual quality and safety plan, reviewing performance on quality metrics and sets improvement aims. Um, and these this type of an assessment, depending on the structure of your hospital, so see, hospital or health system, you could either do it uh, on your quality committee or as a, a full board. And that will vary for each of you based on the structure of your health system and the structure of your board.
1: So, Beth, we have uh, I will, I have thrown in all these pages here, and of course, you're not going to go if you want to. Yeah, p- so p- I'm, yeah. There's. Do you so have I'm any not favorites? Not going to go through all
3: <laughs> them, but but it's you know the the point is they're very tactical, um, and I think give guidance that um, you know that that. Is either a sort of a yes or no? I I do this or I don't do this. So, for example, number three on the page you currently have up, Madge, you know, does the board evaluate management summary of incident reporting trends and timeliness to ensure transparency and address safety issues? Um, so, you know, really, that's something you're you're either looking at or you're not. Same with number four, you're either looking at serious safety events uh, or you're not. And so, rather than just saying the board uh, re, you know, reviews um, patient complaints, and you know, it's, it's very, very tactical. And I think that was one of the things that we were uh, hearing was how to move to tactical guidance on what to be doing.
1: Maybe what we'll do is we'll skip forward to the final one here, and you can point out some of the things that pertain to community and and uh, population health.
3: Sure. Um, so you know, and this is one where boards were really all over the place. Some weren't looking at community and population health at all, um, and and we talked to the leading population health experts, and and they. acknowledge the variation in what boards were doing. So, you know, certainly as as this field evolves, we'll have more and more best practices. But um, one of the things we were looking at was reviewing your performance in your risk-based contracts for population health. Um, and, And really having a discussion on leadership's plans to address social determinants of health. So some of this isn't, you know, intended to be micromanaging management. And we're really clear about that in the framework and the white paper. It's it's to engage in a dialogue of you know as these are all things that are important to running the core operations and having quality excellence in a health system, and and there's things that boards should understand and be involved on, on a oversight level, and so I think it's really important just to say this isn't you know ever to be an assessment like a gotcha, but this is a supportive tool for you to have a dialogue about setting the agenda, what to incorporate in, and how to use your time on your annual and monthly or quarterly, however frequently you meet, but how to use your time on that agenda to make sure that you're covering all the things that your patients expect you to cover and your patients care about.
1: All right. Why don't we thank you so much, Beth. We're going to hold it right there. Uh, Other things to say, and we hope you'll up uh, some questions for our Q&A uh, section. I do want to uh, just underscore the screenshots we have are from the framework, the white paper itself. We've been putting up that link repeatedly. You can see the same uh, assessment as an online tool, and that's how you can fill it out. But if you like to print some things out sometimes to look over it, you might want to do a practice one. <laughs> do it yourself or do it then with somebody else. Uh, but as John Whittington said, uh, so nicely put in there earlier, 10 minutes, if that's all you've got, you can fill this out uh, in 10 minutes. And it's, of course, always interesting to know if you actually are sure uh, about certain things. Those things could be flagged as well. So thank you, Beth. Madge, Madge I'd love to add one more thing Please. there. Please. You know, we used, we used this assessment
3: um, at the IHA forum in a uh, board session uh, this December, and it was so well received because it really gave um, created this dialogue between a board member and a trustee around, you know, do we do this? Oh, I didn't know we did that. Let's let's make sure the board knows because I'm I'm really proud that we're doing that. Um, or should we should we look more into this area? And so it it you know established for them that that dialogue, and for some individual trustees that I've talked to, um, it, it was a great pause point for them also just to do a private assessment of you know where do I stand um, and and how to start that dialogue so it's it's a tool that can be used in many ways um, but ultimately uh, supportive for boards and for for those who support them
1: terrific okay all right now Beth we're going to move on to Ruth Mickelson. Uh, and health partners. And Ruth, I'm, as a board chair, you are among a terrific group who contributed, uh, expert ideas and experience. Um, so I'm curious what motivated you to get involved uh, in this and, uh, what are some of your thoughts as you, as we sort of bring, <laughs> imagine we're walking into a board meeting and we, we need to talk about it and explain it. Thanks a lot, Ruth.
4: Thanks, Madge. Um, I would say that I personally um, have some interest and passion for this work because prior to chairing the Health Partners Board, I chaired the Quality Committee of Health Partners for four years, and so I had an opportunity to have a more in-depth perspective on the work that goes on in in a very complex system. I also am professionally trained as a lawyer and in public health, so I've seen the the harm that can come from poor quality care and I also am have, have a deep sense of the problems that come from inequitable care. So I thought I'd begin by just saying a little bit about Health Partners for those who aren't uh, familiar with our organization. Health Partners is a nonprofit consumer governed integrated health system. We serve more than 1.8 million medical and dental members nationwide. And operate a large multi-specialty group practice of more than 1,800 um, physicians. We have eight hospitals, which include community hospitals, several critical access facilities, and a level one trauma center. Uh, founded in 1957 as a co-op, we have a long-standing commitment to research and education, which is reflected in the Institute for Medical Research and Education. Like most organizations on this call, I Health partners has a long-standing commitment to quality and high reliability, but we are also a very large system and our quality work is embedded across many functions and subsidiaries. Um, one of the things I really like about the STEEP work and the f- governance work is that regardless of where the quality of work resides in an organization, um, the framework provides an opportunity to, st- to start that work, both with intentionality and with a hopefully a vibrant and trusting partnership between the leaders at the governance level and at the management level. Now, Beth has done a great job highlighting what I consider some of the really practical and user-friendly aspects of the tool. So I'm going to focus for a moment on the second two items on this slide, the interconnectedness of these core processes that are built into the framework and the flexibility. In a, in a large integrated system like ours, one of the aspects of this tool that's very appealing is that it supports and allows different parts of a governance structure to focus on different objectives and purposes within the framework. For example, if you using this tool, you can imagine that the quality priorities in a level one trauma center might be quite different from what they are in a small rural critical access hospital. The other thing that really um, comes through in the framework is that Everything is interconnected, and the clinicians that I work with constantly remind me that everything in the human body is connected, despite our human propensity to segment and specialize, but the same is true with respect to the steep categories. If you're working on safety, timeliness, effectiveness, efficiency, equity, patient-centeredness, they may be separate and distinct, but they are also connected, so that an organization can start at a different place and focus on one particular area and that work will naturally lead in you into another um, area of work. I know that's one of the big questions that comes up is where should we begin after you take the, after you take the assessment, you may find a number of different gaps where to start. Um, And I think you can start wherever there is interest and passion. You could also start where you have a particular gap. If a board prioritizes total cost of care or affordability, as the Health Partners Board does, that's a part of effectiveness. Yet we cannot work on affordability without looking at efficiency and timeliness. And you cannot, in turn, work on those areas without confronting issues in equity and population health. So no matter where you start, the work will naturally carry you to other categories of quality. From a governance perspective, I see really three big-picture ideas that I, I think are worth highlighting. And um, Beth has talked about board education and all the different organizations that are engaged in board quality education. Many of those are listed in the, um, the resource that's attached to the framework. But board education is often conceptualized as a kind of knowledge transfer. We think, what do we want, what do senior leaders want the board to know? Um, And I come from the educational sector, and in my world, backward design is a very fast-growing educational strategy that I think asks different questions in which we could use in a meaningful way in healthcare. Backward design asks, what do we want our leaders to be able to do at the end of this experience? And then the content and programming is designed around that. But Beth mentioned that Often the question is, what do we want board members to be able to do? Well, if we want board members to fulfill their fiduciary obligations, um, that's potentially one kind of um, education. If we want board members to be able to think strategically and generatively about quality, then that's going to be a different kind of education that will likely require you to weave in your your organizational strategy and also do a better job than we traditionally do in educating our board members and contextualizing the work. So I just wanted to use an example from health partners um, for some of the work that we've done in diabetes care. So if you're a board member on a quality committee, you are often looking at data such as target A1C levels, blood pressure levels, et cetera. And at Health Partners, we have data that shows that starting in 2000, when we began to implement best practice diabetes care, the 40,000 members who have diabetes suffered 361 fewer heart attacks and 20 fewer leg amputations. So that translates into better health and wellness for our patients, Translates into affordability for the organization and for the patients. It impact, impacts health equity, and it also provides an engaging context and narrative for the quality of work that we do. So I'll just close, given that we've taken some time on um, some technical difficulties, by emphasizing the by emphasizing the call for collective vision of good governance and performance. I. I will surmise that I think it's going to be difficult for a board to lead effectively in the area of quality if the board is not overall functioning well with a vision of good governance and clear expectations for both collective and individual board performance. Um, We at Health Partners, we try to strive to be active and engaged in all six of the steep dimensions and just I'm just going to rattle some of the things off that we do to keep our board front and center in quality. We dedicate board retreat time um, at least once a year to an important quality topic. Once a year, all of our system quality committees meet together, and they learn about one aspect of quality. Um, We're also working to thread our equity work through the organization. This is one point that I think is very interesting, is that when you include equity work in the definition of quality, as they do in STEEP, Equity work in a large organization like ours does not just take place in a quality committee. It is uh, spread around in different parts of the governance system as well as in other parts of the organization and not, not officially uh, the quality section of the organization. So I think that's really an important thing to um, analyze and to also step back and say, is there something about the way that our governance structure works and is set up that is either helping or harming our ability to be an engaged and effective board in the area of quality. And so with that, I think I'm going to uh, close and See what comes up in the
1: way of the chat. Thank you so much, Ruth. Uh, you know, I want to also just underscore this is the first of many things that we're going to be doing on the board governance issue. We are so excited about the work, the material, the potential, the collaborations uh, with others who share the concern. We've uh, had close to a hundred people complete the survey. We've had a few thousand folks look at that survey. Uh, so we were off and running. And as we get, you know, information from the survey, we'll begin to hopefully mm-hmm. also see some areas uh, that we can pinpoint more. And uh, Beth and Tejal and Kato Mate, and I'm sure Ruth as well, they're gonna be speaking on this more uh, this spring and as we move along. So what I'm gonna do right now is this is your time <laughs> for questions and comments. And, uh, again, thanks for your patience, and hopefully what we also always do and can do on a WIHI is tee up a bunch of material for you, some good resources. You'll see everybody on this call has their – our panel has uh, email addresses if you have follow-up questions. So please chat to all participants if you do have questions or comments, Uh, wondering if uh, so far from what you've seen, if you're a board member, whether this looks like new stuff to you, uh, if there are particular pain points people want to uh, draw attention to, if you happen to be somebody that's already looked at the survey and already has some reflections, uh, we'll uh, be happy to hear your comments as well. And uh, I think while we're at it and waiting for comments, I do want to acknowledge, I hope indeed, Gail Nielsen, uh, somebody IHI uh, knows well as faculty and and a fellow and uh, always leading good work uh, out in Iowa. has brought some people onto the program today. And one of the questions Gail asked us ahead of time is to make sure to make some commentary about um, kind of rules of the road and guidance if we're not just talking about hospitals and maybe even not talking about health care exclusively. Um, Ruth was referring to uh, a combined maybe health and social service uh, program. So I thought I would turn that over to you, Beth, for some thoughts about how, you know, kind of who could maybe uh, take this survey and, and get something out of it. Thanks, Beth.
3: You know, I'm so glad Gail made that comment because this is one thing that, that I know when I served on boards I struggled with uh, as well is, you know, how do we look at the whole system of care and not just what's happening in the four walls of the hospital, like I mentioned earlier. And, and you know, many of our systems have so many different uh, elements that, that are outside of the hospital, whether it be uh, primary care clinics, whether it be dental care or nursing homes, and that is only going to continue to evolve and, and, um, and as the care continuum spreads outside of the walls of the hospital. So that, that's something that, that this um, assessment takes into account and encourages you to look along all the dimensions of your care continuum and um, the other thing I wanted to mention earlier before we get to some of the next questions is uh, the framework that is in the white paper while the assessment is is critical in helping you get a baseline for your core oversight of quality uh, your core processes there are some other really wonderful support guides uh, that are part of that that white paper um, there's three short documents with core Uh, guidance in some of the areas on what you might need to know for your core quality knowledge, what you might need to transfer uh, information for your trustees to know on system improvement knowledge, and some ideas for board culture and commitment attributes of a board that supports quality care. So this white paper is, you know, while the assessment is an an essential element to establish a baseline and begin a dialogue around um, your quality oversight, there's other support tools that I think are really helpful in that core quality um, support guide. So make sure not to overlook those.
1: I'm going to ask Tejol maybe, uh, this is sort of a broad question, and I think this comes up, this is a constant issue. Whatever we do to improve this, there's concern. Now, wait a minute. This is not, I hope what we're not, what we're doing here is not having the board take over what management does um, and the level of engagement and the specificity that's being sought here. Tayshia, thoughts on that?
2: Sure. Um, you know, I think that uh, this is a constant tension uh, and uh, I'm sure Ruth has many comments to, to make about this as well, but I think that the um, the key thing here is for the for the board to be providing the level of oversight that's required and really thinking about strategy and setting the direction for the organization. And so to demonstrate a commitment to quality and safety and the fact that the board actually is engaged on that helps the organization maintain that as a strategic priority. And also, I mean, when I was involved in quality and safety in organization, having the board understand this information made it easier to go to the board with requests for resources or initiatives or other things um, because the board had that level of understanding. So, It's about really being engaged, helping set strategic direction, asking uh, questions in in a knowledgeable way, and understanding what the issues are. We're not saying the board needs to solve the problems or solve the issues, but to know that the organization is addressing those and has accountability back to the board to make sure that things are actually improving in some of these areas.
1: Thanks, Tejal. Uh, Ruth, and I'm going to mute myself, I promise, what are some of your thoughts about, as you look at the new materials, uh, and whether or not this tension might arise, about whether it's somehow (laughs) moving into management territory?
4: Um, Well, I would say that this tension, as Tejal mentioned, has been around for a very, very long time, and I, I don't think it will go away. But I, I think sometimes more is made of it that needs to be. I, one of the things that I think about is, um, from a board member and as a board chair, is if, if, have staff prepare good questions that ask governance-related questions governance-related questions. So if you tee up an issue and you provide the same clinical data and metrics that you would provide to a quality manager, you're going to get management responses back to the extent that the board is capable of it. And so it's it's one of those learned things that have to be learned together, which is how to frame quality questions and struggles in such a way that we can stay on the governance level and not move into the management level. Um, Folks are asking, or at
1: least somebody is asking also about uh, getting a board or board members sort of more focused on health, I assume, and the community. Um, Beth, uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, some boards, of course, have committees that are focused on population health, uh, and the community per se. The system may even have that overarching, uh, responsibility already. Um, Beth, maybe you can talk just a little bit about also the inclusion of, uh, health, uh, and equity, uh, in this whole, uh, stream of, uh, action steps. Thanks
3: thank you Madge. thanks Madge. so absolutely so category six in the assessment is completely focused on community population health and wellness and then elements of of health equity are also weaved into uh, the the uh, category four which is focused on treat me with respect equitable and patient-centered care so those are are both um critical parts of this assessment and I think that's a that's a big step forward for our expectations for trustees because um, many of the uh, assessments ask boards to, you know, look at this, but they don't really tell them specifically how to look at community and population health. So this is really being more tactical in what are some of the elements that, if you're looking at that, you would be reviewing and evaluating. Um, there was also another question in the chat, Madge, Uh, About cost of care, and someone, uh, and and there's a a specific question in the assessment targeted towards uh, in category three around um, affordability of care, and that that's a board oversight responsibility not just to make sure you get safe care, but to make sure that that people have access to that care, that that care is effective and and affordable. Um, So that that was put into this assessment very. very thoughtfully. And there was another question in the chat that I wanna just quickly address because I know we're we're pushing on time. Um, But we also covered uh, staff's ability to care for patients, that joy in work and the burnout and violence that are a constant issue in our health system that's under in category three. You know, and and not that that's something that boards have to look at every single meeting, you know, that's one of the decisions that your health system would would say, what are our strategic and important issues that we need to look at at every meeting, Uh, maybe your serious reportable events, and what are those things that we want to do a deeper dive once a year. On and, and spend time uh, more in depth but don't necessarily need to be at every meeting and you track their progression over time and that those will be strategic decisions for your system for
1: your specific largest challenges. Thank you, Beth. Ruth, without putting you on the spot, I'm aware that Health Partners, the board, uh, the overall board, has not yet delved into this work, although you are certainly uh, now quite familiar with it. And assuming that there are people on the call today who are going to be trying to figure out how they can take What they've learned, some of these resources and figure out kind of where to really the very, very beginning first steps uh, with the board. What would you do? Uh, Send around a lot of links to people on an email, uh, make a presentation, uh, start with a smaller group, start with the quality committee. Uh, Any thoughts on that?
4: Oh, I've actually been thinking about that um, because I have. But we have been talking within health partners about where how to start using the framework, and I think our our, our first uh, pass at that is to use it first in the quality committee of the corporate board, and then to also ask one or more of the hospital community. We have hospital boards as well with their own quality committees, and ask them to also. Um, um, take the assessment and use the framework and then we'll kind of go from there to see what comes what bubbles up as far as gaps and also I think another thing that's very interesting is finding out how board members may see the elephant differently some board members may think we're doing a great job in a particular area where other board members will not, will think we'll be doing a poor job or we're not doing anything at all. So I think we're thinking that we're going to start there and um, then see at what point we want to take it potentially to the whole corporate board. Uh, But just begin small and begin um, with the ability for the different systems, hospitals within our system to share knowledge as they take the assessment.
1: Thank you, Ruth. Uh, Somebody asked uh, a little bit about whether responses so far have been overly positive. Uh, Tejal was going to comment on that. Go ahead, Tejal.
2: Um, Well, interestingly, so we have um, gotten, uh, I think, 100 or so responses. We're expecting, uh, hopefully, many more. Um, But... uh, uh, Many of the responses really show that a significant percentage of the respondents um, are scoring zeros, which means that they're not doing many of the things on the assessment. Some of the things that struck me particularly were around um, patient engagement and patient voice on boards, for example, um, where many of the respondents had uh, had zeros. So uh, I don't think we're, we're necessarily getting, uh, you know, everyone sort of being very Pollyanna about it and saying, yes, we're doing all of this because there, sig- there were definitely areas – um, throughout all of the, the domains that had a uh, significant percentage of, of low responses, which, you know, is not surprising. That's why we're doing this work. And I think it just will hopefully help organizations really think about how to get started, where they might want to prioritize, et cetera. So I think if everybody was scoring really highly, then um, that would be a problem, actually, because that would mean that we aren't really capturing the improvement piece that we really are aiming for.
1: Thanks, Tejal. Uh Again, sort of very preliminary uh, another one, uh, two things that sort of jumped out. Uh, Marina Renton, that's been uh, who worked on all this work too, uh, provided us a, a little snapshot. And the board conducting rounds at the point of care is an area which seemed to be getting a fair number of zeros, meaning it doesn't happen. Uh, also, the, re- the financial impact of poor quality care, which I think is a very interesting action step to understand that uh, and making those linkages. Uh, so far, not a lot of uh, folks able to say that's um, happening. Um, Beth, I guess I um, when I mute myself, I might ask you very quickly. Uh, could you speak to that one in particular, and whether you that surprises you that uh, that linkage around the financial cost of poor quality care, whether that's not uh, an activity so much right now, and the need to push that more? Thanks.
3: Well, I, I think that kind of links Mac- match with one of the comments made in the chat room about you know boards, especially in this area, are often very uh, driven in their focus by what's presented to them. And one of the opportunities that, um, that this assessment creates is this ability to have a dialogue about what you're not looking at potentially. And if you, you aren't presented with um, information around affordability of care, and that should be one of your responsibilities of oversight, you don't know to ask for it if you don't know there's a gap. So the framework um, and the assessment and the white paper all support building that competency around, you know, what you don't know to ask for as a trustee, or even for those people who are supporting the trustees, what you maybe need to think about adding to the agenda um, as as healthcare evolves.
1: All right. I want to really thank everyone uh, for riding this wave with us. We're always so excited when we can share new material, uh, kind of get off and running. Hopefully, some of you will be ambassadors for this work and can provide feedback that we'll be eagerly looking for as uh, things unfold. I'm going to go around the horn uh, so we can get some parting shots from our panelists today. First, uh, Ruth Mickelson and uh, kind of... Just what what's next, Ruth, uh, for you uh, as as you move forward, and any parting thoughts? Thank you.
4: Well, I, w- I just want to follow up on the point th- that was made about connecting the dots but, um, between quality and fi- and financial affordability. I think that's an area that many boards um, don't do well, and it's probably one of the reasons why. Some board members are not as interested in quality as they might be. We could connect the dots between quality and finance, and between quality and growth. It's something I ask myself as chair all the time: Are we doing? Um, how can we do a better job making that connection happen? Um, as a parting thought, I would say we are really excited to start using this tool, and um, we'll be back in touch with IHI and let you know what we learn.
1: Absolutely. Okay, Taisal, thoughts from you?
4: Sure.
2: Um, so I think it's just important for us all to remember, sometimes we get bogged down in the day-to-day um, uh, of management responsibilities, but really remembering that uh, trustees are critical and pivotal to what's happening in healthcare systems today. And it's really uh, trustees that have the ultimate responsibility to ensure high quality care. So um, we should use our boards and leverage our boards as a really valuable resource in achieving that goal. Um, I think the framework is a great starting point to help people do that and then also um, highly recommend taking the assessment tool and also keep an eye out uh, in June where we're going to be having an, a course, an offering, to help do a deep dive into the assessment as well, again to help folks get started. So keep an eye out for that as well.
1: That's right. That's happening in uh, Houston and uh, there'll be more information uh, on the website soon about that and outreach. Um, all right, Beth, you get the last word. Uh, Beth, who's worked so hard on pulling so much, uh, you know, information uh, dispersed uh, in a lot of different places, no small feat uh, to pull things together with a great group working with Beth. Uh, final thoughts today, Beth.
3: So my final thought would be, you know, I think that your boards are on the board because they really care on, about the community. It's very time-intensive and obviously not financially lucrative for almost all the boards in the country, to be on the board. And I think we've almost done a a disservice in the past um, to kind of relegate quality almost to an audit or quality control function when we really need to say that quality is your core operations. It's your core service delivery. It's the core of why patients come to your health system. And I think... Really talking about it in that operational format f- uh, framework of what patients expect is very motivating because that's why boards are there to be your partner to help serve the community. And so this this framework acknowledges that that quality is the core of your operations, and quality is the core of what patients expect of of all of us in in supporting their care. And so I would just you know. Encourage you to to share the framework with your senior leadership, share the framework with your your trustees, especially those that serve on your quality committees, and um, challenge you to take the assessment as an opening to a dialogue of how to move your health system forward to meeting those patient expectations and serving in your core operations for patients.
1: Thank you so much. You were just listening to Beth daly Olam and Ruth Mickelson has been with us as well, and Tejal Gandhi. Uh, Fabulous panel. Thanks so much to everyone who helped with the program. Uh, Next up on WIHI on February 21st, we're going to be talking with Derek Feely and Angela Shippey from Memorial Hermann. How to Speak So Leaders Will Listen. A reminder that you can download uh, the chat from today's program, the slides, the audio uh, will be available. Everything is uh, posted by the end of today, early tomorrow morning, so look for it. Also, our all our programs are posted on iTunes. You can subscribe. Use your favorite podcast feeder for uh, getting these shows automatically, but do look for it. Any questions whatsoever, Please email info at IHI.org. Always feel free to suggest future show topics. The folks who help make WIHI possible are John Gothier, Matt Morris, Vicki Minden, Joanna Carmona, Mo Berry, and Val Weber. And as always, it's been my privilege to host this program that's about spirited learning and improving health and patient care. For the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, I'm Adge Kaplan. Thanks, everyone. Good day.